Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. My name is Esteban Bailey, and joining me today is Ori Benatar. Uh, we are back. Uh, sorry, we did not have a podcast last week. There were some uh, personal things that we had to go that I had to go do, and I wasn't able to do the podcast. But uh, I'm back now, and we're going to be able to recap a somewhat interesting weekend in the Premier League. Match day ten, match week ten, obviously came after the Champions League week, which saw some pretty interesting results. United lost to Juventus, as I think most people expected. City and Liverpool won pretty easily, which was also pretty expected. But Tottenham, did they were not able to get the result that they were needing. Uh, they drew 2-2 with PSV Eindhoven. And it seems pretty clear that Tottenham is going to make it. They're not going to be able to make it to the second round of the Champions League. And they're probably going to fall into the Europa League. Um, what do you think about that? What did you think about the Champions League week for the Premier League? Um, I, I just think that this is the performance that... I've been expecting from Tottenham. They've been coasting by getting wins against really easy teams. I mean, just taking a look at their recent schedule of games, you know, you've got the likes of, uh, you know, West Ham, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Brighton in the league. They're winning all those games. And then they come up against tougher opposition and they just can't cut it. Lose to Barcelona, tie PSV, and lose to Manchester City. So I think this Tottenham team, it just shows that this might be a year where they're just not going to be able to complete or, or not to complete to compete with top clubs and I think this loss kind of really shows that they're still fifth in the league but they need to get better performances out of their stars I mean Harry Kane according to Futmob, um, a football app that I like to use a lot for scores Harry Kane had a 4.9 rating uh, I mean, that's 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 not something you would expect from England's number 10 and the golden boot winner of the World Cup in last summer. I mean, it is pretty crazy. He's been having a kind of tough season, and I'm not sure if that's because he's tired. We've obviously, obviously seen some of the effects that... Uh, Harry Kane has when he's tired. We saw in Euro 2016, he was pretty poor after a pretty tough season. Um, yeah, you know, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. I think this has been a pretty disappointing season for Tottenham. I'm not a Tottenham fan, obviously, but, you know, it's 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 kind of weird to see this team that just ha- is not clicking, and it's, you know, I think this is a really good representation of you need to do business in the summer, even if you have a talented squad. I mean, the, you cannot just go with the same status quo. You can't just expect players that may have been injured or players that maybe have not been performing to the level that you'd expect to just automatically start competing and making your team better it's just not realistic and you know this this Tottenham squad I you're they were you know they had high expectations they thought maybe they could really compete in both the Champions League and the Premier League but it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to compete in either and you know I, I'm going to ask you do you really do you think Tottenham's going to go to the Europa League a and b if they go to the, the Europa League do you think they have any chance of winning it I think a, yes, they will be a Europa League team. I think City is way better than them. I think Liverpool and Chelsea are too. And once we see Arsenal play against the top six again, which we will see next week when they play Liverpool, um, we'll see if Arsenal can keep up that top four. But right now, Tottenham is the best uh, of the bunch right now outside of the top four in the Premier League. They should make the Europa League. They're just not cut out for top four this season because of those lack of changes and those players just not performing to their standard. And if they did make the Europa League, I think they'd be able to compete. But again, you know, the middle teams of Spain, especially in a in a super off year for Real Madrid, they've been improving quite a bit. I mean, Alaves, Celta Vigo, there's just all these teams in Spain that are playing so well. Serie A is improving to a, to a much better level because of the Ronaldo effect. You're going to see better players go to Italy now with Cristiano. 
Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus. So even if Tottenham make the Europa League, I don't think they'd win the Europa League unless they sign some world-class talent. I mean, you look at Manchester City... They dominated the Premier League last year. They still signed players. And they and one of their new signings scored against Tottenham today, which was Riyad Mahrez in the sixth minute. So Tottenham needs to make changes and fast. they got to do something in the winter, whether it's selling Alderweireld, getting a lot of money for him, giving him to United or someone that really wants him or needs him. Maybe Real Madrid gets him. Um, when buying yourself... A midfielder or a backup striker to help out. I mean, there's you right now. If Sun Young Min is being forced to play up top, he can do okay there, but he needs to do better. And you need a you need a true striker to back up Harry Kane, so he doesn't have to play every game all game. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Tottenham. It's it's interesting. I I actually think that well I. Since they're probably going to come in third in their group, they're probably going to fall into the Europa League this season. And I'm curious to see if they're going to be any kind of threat to teams like Arsenal or Chelsea or maybe some of the bigger hitters that are in the Europa League this season. I'm not sure. We could have a couple London derbies uh, heading into that final uh, later next year in the Europa League. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this Tottenham team definitely needs a little bit of a reboot. It's it, it happens to all teams. You know, they have a every team has a window and. And, you know, at a certain point, if you don't make any changes, things get stale, teams get used to playing you, and, you know, it becomes a little easier to beat you. And that's one thing from the last couple seasons. Tottenham, they were never an easy team to beat, but Man City, you know, today they got a pretty simple victory. You know, they got the goal. They didn't let Tottenham really create anything. They created a few chances themselves, City did, but, you know, it wasn't like City was really pushing it to the limit to try to beat this Tottenham team on the road. So I think Tottenham definitely is a little bit stale right now, and I'm not sure what's going to fix it. Maybe Deli Alley and Kerry Kane go on a hot streak that could maybe fix everything. But again, you do need players. You need a little, you need something new in the dressing room. But uh, I think that's enough Tottenham talk for now. Um, I think the other biggest story, let's, let's talk about some of the biggest headlines from the weekend. Um, beside the Manchester City results, Arsenal tie 2-2 with Crystal Palace, ending their 11-game winning streak. Of course, there's still 12 games unbeaten in the last couple, you know, in those last 12 games, but the winning streak is over. Manchester United, they beat Everton 2-1. Paul Pogba had one of the craziest <laughs> penalty uh, goals I've ever seen. I mean, it was like a 10-second run-up to kick the ball. He Jordan Pickford had a great save, similar to his uh, World Cup's uh, penalty save against Colombia. But then he was able to slot it in on the on the rebound, and then Anthony Marshall scored a, another world-class goal, and United was able to just eat by Everton. Chelsea was pretty dominant against Burnley. Leicester City, uh, unfortunately, after their owner was killed in a helicopter crash uh, after their 1-1 draw against West Ham, which was one of the most crazy stories of the year. I mean, we could talk about it a little bit if you want, but I mean, that was that was pretty insane. Uh, that I, I just I have no words to describe that. I don't even remember that ever happening in any other sports in my lifetime. Yeah, condolences to the family, condolences to the club. The world of football is rallying behind Leicester City. Um, and it's just it is just an absolute tragedy. I mean, the fact that that happened, we still don't really know how the helicopter got out of control like that. But, you know, people lost their lives in this. And, you know, we're thoughts and prayers to them. And also, um, same day that, that that happened, thoughts and prayers to the Tree of Life Synagogue and the horrible shooting that happened there here in the States in Pittsburgh. So um, it, was, it was a tough day 
Saturday for sure, but uh, I think Leicester will rally behind. I'm sure we're going to see them give a, a very emotional performance in the League Cup and, of course, in their next Premier League game. But uh, condolences to the family after uh, the owner's passing. Agreed. Moving on, uh, Liverpool had a pretty simple victory against Cardiff City, 4-1. And I think uh, kind of underrated story of the weekend, a headline that I actually want to move into that I think is part of, you know, one of the more interesting stories that is developing in this Premier League season is Bournemouth beating Fulham on the road 3-0. Fulham is firmly in the relegation zone and their defense is not getting any better. Their attack seems to be being, it seems to be very stale at the moment. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I thought for certain that it was going to be Huddersfield and Cardiff City that were going to be relegated. I still feel that way, but Fulham, Newcastle as well, they're really struggling this season, and I just don't know what's wrong with this Fulham team. They were they had such high I had such high expectations for them. It's just we spoke about this last week. This was my rant of the last weekend that Fulham's defense is just porous. But my God, they have given up 28 goals and only scored 11. They have a minus 17 goal differential, which is tied for worst in the Premier League behind Huddersfield or with Huddersfield. I mean, it's it's shocking to me that this Fulham team is performing so poorly, and I'm not really sure what can happen to change it. I mean, yes, last season, everybody's pointing to Fulham also had a pretty tough start. They were closer to the relegation zone than the playoff spots, and then Fulham went on a 20-game unbeaten streak to make it to those uh, playoff spots and eventually win the playoff to enter the Premier League, but this is a Premier League. This isn't the championship. There's a lot of high-quality teams here. I think Fulham is going to need a change, and I I feel bad because I think the coach has done very well for Fulham in the past, but he may not be a Premier League-capable manager. I'm not sure if it's a roster. I'm not sure if it's a coach. Uh, What do you think about this Fulham team? Uh, Defense is bad. I mean, we've hit on it many times here on this podcast and hitting on it more and more. I think they've now joint-tied the record, joint-tied. Joint tied. That means the same freaking thing. Why did I say that? They tied the record, I think, for most goals conceded in the first 10 games of a season with Southampton in 2012 and Barnsley in 97. 28 goals in 10 games. They can't do anything right now. I would say they will get relegated. They need a new defense. And Jokanovic might be on his way to becoming the first sacking of the season. Despite Huddersfield Town being in last and David Wagner, I think they're going to trust him to see out Christmas. Um, even Neil Warnock at Cardiff, they're, they got that win against Fulham. And good for them. They've scored some goals against some top six clubs. Rafa Benitez is not losing his job anytime soon. Um and I think uh, Claude Puel is okay at Southampton. Or not Claude Puel, Mark Hughes. Claude Puel is the manager of Leicester, of course. You get all the managers mixed up because they've all managed like five or six of the Premier League teams. But I think Jokanovic is on his way to being the first sacking of the season. This is just unacceptable from Fulham. Clearly their moves didn't work chemistry-wise. And Wolves are starting to feel the sting of that too. They've been struggling for sure, um, losing their last two. They're still in 10th, but they've only scored nine goals and they've conceded nine. So the newly promoted clubs, they're in a bit of a funk right now. I mean, that is, this happens every season. You know, Sometimes you have newly promoted clubs that get off to a good start. They're able to get enough points to be pretty safe by Christmas and then eventually their their results kind of uh, dip a little bit. But Fulham and Cardiff City have been a little lackluster, to say the least. Uh, Wolves, of course, they, they're going in this little slump, as you mentioned. But I think Wolves will be able to recover at least in a few weeks, maybe after the next international break. Um, they still have a lot of talent. And I think it's just, you know, teams are getting used to the 3-4-3. And they might need to make a f- 
few adjustments, but I'm still not worried about Wolves. I'm more worried about Fulham, and, and I definitely still think that Cardiff City is going to get relegated, even though they they had, they didn't have the worst performance against Liverpool this past week, and it was 2-1 in the 80th minute. Like, it, it, Cardiff City was playing okay, but, you know, they're, they're just more of a tough team that they're slightly overachieving by not being in the relegation zone. But, you know, it wasn't that crazy of a weekend, but I do want to move on. Let's talk about... Let's think of our rants of the weekend. I'll go first. My first thing, the one thing I want to talk about, the thing that I've been just chomping at the bit to talk about, is that Shrokdan Mustafi should not be a starting center back anymore in the Premier League. Uh, he gave up a penalty uh, in the 2-2 draw against Crystal Palace for Arsenal, basically ending their winning streak. Um, he was just truly awful the entire game. He is too erratic. He's too error-prone. Um, this experiment is done. He's part of this 2016 uh, just purchase spree that Arsene Wenger went, went on his really last influential summer at the club when he purchased Granit Xhaka, he purchased Mustafi. You know, it was this kind of like, all right, this is it. We're going to have the spine of their team for the next 10 years, and this is going to be the team that gives us another Premier League title. But no, Mustafi has been pretty poor ever since the beginning and he has not improved. He basically, the level of quality at center back that Mustafi possesses is not even good enough for Everton. I'm not certain why Arsenal keeps starting him, especially when you have players like Socrates, who I know he was slightly injured, but he definitely deserves to play more. And he played in the Europa League. He should have played against Crystal Palace. Uh, Rob Holding is at a higher level than Mustafi right now. I bet even Callum Chambers, who's having a horrible time at Fulham, would probably perform better for Arsenal than Mustafi. Um, it's just it's crazy to me. And uh, hopefully next season there will be some major transfers uh, that could at least push Mustafi into the bench role instead of a starting role because he's not there anymore. Yeah, you guys should sign Sergio Ramos. Yeah, no, that'll be even worse, but sure. <laughs> God, I mean, Real Madrid, man. I want I want to mark October 29th in history. The first... Who would have thought that in human history, the head coach of Real Madrid, the most successful world football club ever, would be fired the same day as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, the least successful franchise in American sports? History. Historic. <laughs> Just saying that. No, that's pretty real. Uh, Lopetegui has been an. Uh, this is a side tangent, but yeah, he's been horrible since coming to Madrid. That Madrid team it, that lacks lacks everything that you'd want from a Madrid team. They don't. I mean, like they. It's like all right, let's just pass the ball around. Let's not try to score. Let's try to hit the post as often as possible. It's just. It's crazy. That's my rant. Real Madrid sucks. Yeah, Thank they God they have a new manager. They need to improve drastically. The, I mean, the lowest Real Madrid get in the La Liga table is at the beginning of the season when it's alphabetically ordered before a game is played. They're never this low in the table. They're in ninth right now. In terms of Premier League, I don't have a rant, but I do have a praising. Glenn Murray needs to be considered one of the best goal scorers in the league. The guy is clutch, and he wins games for Brighton, and he's been able to do that first time in club history that they've won three straight games. I actually, yeah, that's a great, I'm glad that you brought him up because I think Glenn Murray is definitely being, he's definitely under the radar. I think he's more than just a, you know, a target forward uh, that you'd expect from a Brighton team coach by, uh, I, oh my goodness, Mark Houghton. I forget his name, but uh, the coach of Brighton is a pretty interesting coach, but he's very conservative. But Glenn Murray is- Chris Houghton. Yeah, Chris Houghton. He's been, he's, he's a conservative coach, but I think the way his Brighton team is set up and how they use Glenn Murray, he's very, very good. I think he's very underrated. 
I, I'm not sure if it'll like lead to any kind of bigger move or anything, but I think he's perfectly set up at Brighton. I think having Brighton in the Premier League is very good, and if we can have a player that can keep them up, that's also going to be very commendable. I doubt that Glenn Murray will ever get a call-up to the England national team, but you know it doesn't matter. When you have teams that are at the quality of Brighton playing in the middle of the pack, but you know able to get nice wins against teams like Wolves or maybe even pick up points against Manchester United, it's, you know, it's not a bad thing, and I, I think it just helps strengthen in the league when you don't have to have you know really good players constantly move up to bigger and you know bigger clubs and you know more talented squads because it just makes it the parity a little better um but yeah I, I love I love Glenn Murray I think he's he's a really special player and I, I'm very happy that he's kind of like one of these late bloomer strikers who you know I bet Tottenham right now give everything they could and more to try to get Glenn Murray as their backup striker to Harry Kane they should. He he needs to go somewhere bigger the way he's playing right now. And he is single-handedly keeping Brighton's season alive. They're in 11th now with four wins, the three straight they've had now, and, of course, the one against United back in Week 2. They're a point ahead of Leicester, and there's that big gap in the table right now between Leicester in 12th and West Ham in 13th. Five-point gap between the Foxes and the Hammers, separating the top 12 to the bottom seven. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's fun. Actually, you know what? Let's, speaking of, let's go to our final segment of the of the night. We're going to talk about the Premier League table a little bit. And I want to talk specifically about this kind of weird parody, or not parody, but this in, interesting kind of gap we're finding from the top half of the mid-table all the way to the bottom half. I think it's pretty clear for sure that our Premier League uh, uh, relegation battle is going to be between Huddersfield, Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, Southampton, and Burnley. I think those are going to be the teams that are going to be fighting out for the final three or for the last three spots uh, for safety. I'm not sure at this moment in time who's going to get relegated. I still feel Huddersfield is almost a guarantee at this point. They have, you know, they have the lowest amount of points. They also, or they're tied for the lowest amount of points. They still haven't gotten a victory and they have the worst goal difference or tied for the worst goal difference for Fulham. Um, we're going to keep an eye on this relegation battle. I don't want to, I don't want to know your opinion on what you think is the, you know, who are the final three teams yet? Cause it's still a little early, but it's just kind of interesting that, you know, last season Burnley was in the Europa League. A couple seasons ago, Southampton was in the Europa League. And I wanted to ask you, you know, is the Europa League like the sign of death for these mid-table Premier League squads? I don't know if it's the sign of death. It only is in the beginning of the season because of the amount of games you have to play. I mean, with Burnley, you clearly saw how fatigued they were with all of the games they were playing. I mean, their season started, I think, like two or three weeks after the World Cup ended, and they were playing two games a week for about a month, and they couldn't buy a win in the Premier League. And now they're starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, they're coming off of a... Uh a 4-0 loss to Chelsea, not so great. So they're going to have to improve and try and get some better results against some decent teams. But I think they'll get some draws and some low-scoring wins potentially as the season rolls along. But I think, you know, teams that are making the Europa League coming in 6th and 7th in the Premier League, they need to build themselves up to prepare for that kind of season. And usually, and now what we're kind of seeing is that those teams just don't have the budget for that. I mean, right now, Bournemouth and Watford 
are ahead of Manchester United for that sixth place spot. I mean, the top five is five of the six biggest clubs. And then you got Bournemouth and Watford competing there. They've had their inconsistencies. Bournemouth, I think, has been a lot more inconsistent than Watford because at least Watford haven't had like drastically horrible losses. They've only had the one uh, this season, which was against Bournemouth, whereas Bournemouth had some drastic losses too. They lost 4 nothing to Burnley. So you need to build yourself up for that. And Burnley wasn't ready for that. Southampton has never been ready for that because every time they do play well, they sell all their players to Liverpool, trading the stripes for the solid red but we'll see if uh if Bournemouth and Watford can be built up for that Burnley I wouldn't say Burnley is a relegation team in my opinion I think Crystal Palace is more so because you need Wilfred Zaha to play well to to succeed for Crystal Palace or get two penalties given to you by Arsenal to get a tie against them um, but I think Burnley is going to be okay I think the most surprising part of the table is the fact that Bournemouth and Watford, 10 games in, are still ahead of Manchester United. Yeah, and I mean, this is where I want to go to our final part of the podcast. The top five, as you mentioned, are Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal in fourth, Tottenham in fifth. And then the teams that are competing for the fifth and fourth spot are Bournemouth in sixth, Watford in seventh, Manchester United in eighth. Now, let me ask you, is this what the table is going to look like in May? Is Bournemouth going to be this good? Are they going to get the final Europa League spot ahead of Manchester United? Or even maybe ahead of Tottenham, who could fall out? Or is Watford? Or can Watford or Bournemouth truly make a top four or a Europa League run this season and maybe grab them? I mean, Bournemouth is only two points behind Arsenal for fourth place. Watford is only three points behind Arsenal for fourth place. Manchester United is five points behind Arsenal for fourth place. I mean, this is not in, inconceivable at this moment in time that Bournemouth or Watford could theoretically at least make a Europa League spot. And I mean, that's crazy considering where Bournemouth was a couple seasons ago and where Watford were a couple seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, with 28 games left to play, it's always hard to tell, but I think Watford is better set up to compete for a Europa League spot as the season goes on. And I think it's because Watford's goal scores aren't going to be on the market as much as Bournemouth's goal scores. I think that there is a very high chance that Callum Wilson or Joshua King get signed by someone. I think that someone might pull out the cash, try and get one of those strikers because Callum Wilson, I remember when Bournemouth were promoted and came into the Premier League, this guy was hype. People were so you know, excited to see Callum Wilson as a Premier League striker. And then he got injured in that first season and he's had injury problems. But now you see him with Bournemouth and he's just been consistently playing so well for them. Same with the Norwegian Joshua King. Wilson and King have combined for nine goals this season for Bournemouth and they've scored a total of 19. So nine of of their 19 goals are coming from those two strikers. Whereas for Watford, I don't see... Troy Deeney is too old. He's still a great player, but he's past his prime at this point. He's more of the veteran, and he's he's given his life to Watford. He's not going anywhere. I don't think Andre Gray is a striker that people are too excited to maybe purchase. He's still very good, too, but I think Wilson and King are more exciting prospects that could potentially leave Bournemouth. You know, if Chelsea needs another striker or if Tottenham needs a backup or if someone in Spain or Germany are looking for some goal scorers, too. So I think Watford is more primed to come in top six just because I don't think their players are as attractive to buyers. And I think Bournemouth could have a chance to be sellers when we get to January. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. I'm very, ex- I'm, I'm really happy that the top ten of the Premier League this season is, is, it's very exciting. And I want to end on this note. I think 
you know, from a combination of Wolves, Everton, Manchester United, Wofford, Bournemouth, Tottenham, and Arsenal, all basically kind of fighting for that fourth spot because uh, there's no way Arsenal or Tottenham can really compete for the Premier League title. I know it's not like that big of a gap, but there's no way those two teams could compete for the Premier League title. But, you know, having a top four race that's only separated by seven points by, the, by you know, late October, that's pretty good. We don't usually get that, and we also don't usually get these kind of interesting storylines or interesting teams. Wolves has been a pretty good story, even though they've had a couple bad results lately. Everton is, you just don't know what you're going to get from Everton for week to week, which is always exciting because, you know, they could either blow teams away or lose 2-1 to Manchester United. And speaking of Manchester United, talk about about the most inconsistent team they have so much talent and we've been talking about them this entire season but I'm glad that we didn't really speak about them too much today it's just you know this United team we're not sure what's going to happen to them they're very Jekyll and Hyde sometimes they're really good sometimes they're really bad they can really fluctuate between halves so it's just crazy Wofford Bournemouth we just mentioned them Tottenham they're sluggish Arsenal we don't really know what this Arsenal team is going to do and we're, we're not sure if that 11 game win streak was you know anything more than just beating bad teams what are they going to do against Liverpool but that's why uh, you know we're going to have to preview that later this week so but that's the end of our show today thank you for listening and i'm sorry it's a short show but you know we'll come back on thursday with a bigger show to re to preview a pretty exciting weekend in the premier league but uh i'm Esteban bailey that's uh ori benatar please subscribe to us on itunes listen to our stuff on speaker.com we'll be back later this week and please read our stuff on the topflight.com and we'll see you soon go crew Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.